welcome to death row. Like we always do about this time. Ha ha ha! I'm gonna your fucking ass! You don't got your playing touch butt with that dork in the park. Ah, uh, there's a little snake in the grass. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. No fucking Jesus, people! I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody! Hey, pussy, are you still there? I'm back. Who the fuck is that guy? Break out the red panties. Well, rich baby. I would like to introduce. Welcome to the MMA for Money show, episode 39. In this show, we are going to review UFC Vegas at the Apex, which is kind of what most of them are going to be called here and out for the most part, other than what's next, which is our preview of UFC 250. Yes, we're back with a pay-per-view, kind of a light one, but you know what? It still has a title fight. I am Bob Voss, your favorite garbage man at MMA State of Mind here with Mike Copenhaver. You can find him at Don't Cope, Just Win on Twitter. Also, follow the show on Twitter at MMA for Money show mike how are you doing tonight oh, i'm doing absolutely amazing man especially after that weekend of ufc where we went three and zero for you guys with one max bet cashing i mean i called a couple of them to a fucking t and you know i lot of get a lot of hate for the way that i say things but i just call it how it is i'm a realist Absolutely, and we will get into all that as we re-go over Woodley versus Burns, the entire fight card, at least all the ones that matter. Um, Well, it's Wednesday, so you know what that means. The MMA for Money show is here. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, just straight RSS feed. We are also on YouTube with full-length shows as well as smaller tidbits to get you your quick fix. Subscribe and never miss a show. Like, comment, and share to spread the word. Now, first of all, we are reviewing UFC Fight Night, Woodley versus Burns. The first fight of the night was Chris Gutierrez. He was a slight favorite, but he showed himself to be much more so getting one of the rare TKO leg kick victories. Just all pretty much one-way traffic for him. He bruised it up early. There was some major swelling on the calf and bruising on Vince Morales early. And he looked fantastic. Uh, if I recall from the other show, I'm pretty sure we, me and Mike both picked Gutierrez. No bet on it, but we liked him here. And obviously, he stunned the well. I was they stunned the crowd, but the crowd, but the like 30 or so people that were there. Mike, how are you feeling about this first fight of the night? Yeah, man, it was actually a pretty great. It was a great performance by Chris Gutierrez. We both picked him to be tougher, and was going to win this fight pretty much, and he did just that. And he looked more like a negative four hundred favorite going in there, and just attacking with leg kicks and with range. And he looked absolutely amazing. But I mean, don't get it twisted; it wasn't versus the the greatest op- opponent. So I can't wait to see him versus someone more aggressive. Completely agree on that. Definitely not the highest ranking of person he could fight, but he's definitely got something going there. Look forward to seeing him a little bit more. Now, real early in the fight night, and I might have the order mixed up a little bit here, but in terms of how we have it listed, we had a max bet on this fight card. We don't do it very often. I need to go back and retally, but if I recall correctly, we are currently 4-1 and one on max bets since the, we starting this show. I'll re-double check that. I'll have those numbers for you guys next week. Casey Kinney just buzzsawed through Lewis Smoka. He got the first round one-arm guillotine choke on Smoka. And he just looked great. Um, Smoko was trying to get live with the boxing early. 
Casey Kinney was doing really good with some body shots and eventually got him on the ground and got him transitioned. We had talked about, uh, I know at least my point on Smolka, was giving his scrambling ability. He always gets in bad spots and gives up his neck, and that's exactly what happened here. I was high on him, but you know what? I wasn't even as high on him as Mike was. He's the one who helped to push this from just a, a bet to win a unit to a max bet. So, Mike, give us your breakdown and just celebratory verbiage on Casey Kinney just, just straight killing Smoker here. Yeah, man. Well, this was a great performance by Casey Kenny, and it was everything that I expected uh, him to pull off, especially against Luis Smoka, who's, uh, like I said, not mentally as strong as he needs to be, and he's not uh, just all there. And it was just amazing for us to be able to catch this bet for you guys. I mean, uh, I, I know I'm harsh at times with my words, but I mean, when I say him, I mean him. I, I don't say him for no reason. It's because I've experienced watching for decades, you know, UFC fighters and a talent in front of me. And uh, I know when there's a more talented fighter than the other. I know when, and if there was two fighters in an alleyway, who's going to come out on top uh, 90% of the time or more. And to be able to cash this bet and get the night started for you guys, it was absolutely amazing. And it was just a great feeling to get the MMA for Money team off and rolling. We've said it before. There are some fight cards where you can't miss. And if you go back to our even just quick picks on these fights, Man, we were hitting threes. Like, there was no tomorrow. Like, there, there's some special events that you could just call it, and it's those events that make you wish that you would bet more. But obviously, you gotta have some restraint because those nights that you miss and miss big, those nights will kill you. But this was one of those great, great nights. Uh, next up, Brandon Royville, who was an underdog to one time title challenger Tim Elliott, actually ended up getting the second round arm triangle choke after Elliott went. I guess the best way to, to describe his fight style in the first round, ape shit scrambles. I, I don't know. He just absolutely went to the ground, moves a mile a minute, exerts a ridiculous amount of energy. And this was one of the first times where he didn't seem to have the gas to carry him through. And obviously, uh, Royville capitalized. It was a great finish. Mike, thoughts on Tim Elliott and I guess Royville going forward. Is he that good or was this just kind of a, a worn Elliott? Yeah, with Elliot, man, I think it's more of the case of him being washed up. And I just, I really don't think he deserves to be here, especially in the UFC when there's so many, so many world-class fighters that haven't even stepped foot in the UFC yet that are hungry, waiting and willing and uh, really mix martial artists with black belts and brown belts and purple belts and, and beyond with, with striking. And uh, Tim Elliott, I think only has a blue and I mean, not to disrespect blues, but this is the UFC. And I really think that you need to have a, like a purple or above to be even a uh, Fox and with some of the these dudes uh, but the fight was exciting the only the thing that was pathetic was how easily tim elliott tapped i mean the pressure against it on that choke was so pathetic it looked like me beating up my seven years younger little sister and the only thing that lacked was the, him screaming for my mother to help him oh man he tapped he tapped so quick like the moment it was locked on like not even a hard quick tap just one two three he's gone uh, next up we had a late heavyweight matchup Again, another one. It's kind of the, the trend of this card. We basically called this fight card verbatim, which I know I keep repeating, but since very rarely will you call just about every fight 100% correct, just the nature of MMA, and really just proud of us for this card in general. But uh, again, not a bet on this one, but Jamal Hill was a slight favorite at minus 125 against Glitzen Abreu. He, he was hurting him early and nailed a hard knee, knee to the body, which sends uh, Brayu down and then finished off with the ground and pound, and they called it. I mean, Hill's looking good. It was an impressive performance, and I'd like to see him against 
Um, maybe not quite a top 15, but at least a more notable name at light heavyweight. What about you, Mike? Yeah, man, Jamal Hill uh, really impressed me with this performance. I mean, he, he really did some uh, great damage to Klitson when he knee, just kneeing him and striking him. And he, he just looked really good with his length. And that's what he needs to do when you have that reach advantage over your opponent. So, you know, keeping his distance and also using, like I said, that length with kicks and punches. And it, it was a great performance on his part. If they don't rush him too much, uh, it'd be nice to see, you know, guys like this get, you know, a little bit of uh, some years under their belt before they get pushed too hard now this next fight confuses me um okay billy quintillo quintillo i know he said on the broadcast how to properly pronounce his name but you know what wasn't listening too close because i thought he lost this fight in watching it i thought the alpha ginger beat him i thought it was a fairly dominant first round i did think he the alpha ginger spike Carlisle or whatever his real name is, finding out on the judges' scorecard, it's something much different. That either way, the big muscular ginger-looking guy. Um, I thought he was utterly dominant the first round. I thought he won the second, and the third was close. But I, uh, the Quintillo had it on him. Unless they gave the round where Spike Carlisle let him up and walked away with a couple seconds remaining in the fight, and then when he got hit and went down. With like two seconds left, if they immediately gave him that round for that only reason to give the decision to Quintillo, um, I gave, I picked, no bet picked um, the Alpha Ginger because I thought he would get a first round finish because that's what he's known for and he had a good chance for it. And he was a decent dog money and he was close. He was actually really close to getting that finish and actually kept a lot of that pace into the second. It was actually fairly impressive before he started gassing, but it was a 100% action packed fight. And yeah, Quintero got the unanimous decision, but I was, I was a little surprised uh, to hear that. I thought two of the rounds were fairly clear for the Alpha Ginger, but I could be wrong. Mike, how'd you feel about that decision, that fight and... I guess where you see, I'm going to say where you see Alpha Ginger going from here because I don't think Quarantio is going to become much. Yeah, man. I mean, this was a super, super exciting fight. Even straight off the bat, the Alpha Ginger came in with a, a Spartan type kick and it, it just was haywire from that moment on. I had Spike uh, Carlisle winning uh, just a slight, by a slight edge. I had him two to one winning the first and second and then gassing in the third uh, pretty badly and just, you know, just hoping that he'd hang on. But I mean, it, it I'd like them to give out the draw more often. I would have been super happy with a draw here. I, it was exciting enough to give a draw. You, you have two kind of younger, exciting guys that no one really knows about. I, I don't see why you want to damage their record already and give one of them the loss, but uh, they sure did. And uh, the unanimous, unanimous decision for him was ridiculous. It should have been a split. It should have been, you know, uh, it should have been a hairy split, but uh, it unanimous decision. Or even... Like the, 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 this is one of the fights that I could give justification for those like half point rounds where it's like, you know, 10, 9.5 for a close, 10, 9, and then down the line because the first round wasn't a 10, 8, but it was a lot closer to a 10, 8 than the final round that I know for sure Quintillo won. But I don't know. Beside the point, that fight's over. We didn't have money on it, so it doesn't matter. So we're moving on. Uh, our second bet of the night was on Caitlin Chukagian. She was a plus 120 underdog. I think 115. I need to double check. When we, when we actually bet it, I'll be able to add that up at the end because I know what our total win for the night was. Uh, she fought Anton Antonia Shevchenko, the lesser Shevchenko, Shevchenko Light, as we dubbed her. But it wasn't just a win. 
Like, I thought she was going to win. And I thought it may be close, but I thought it was going to be at least 29-28 or a clear 30-27. She beat Shevchenko from pillar to post. She had three 30-25s. So one from all the judges. Every single judge saw at least two of the... It's ridiculous to think about that two of the rounds were 10-8s. She had a near submission in the first round. And I actually got takedowns in this fight. The girl that had never scored a UFC takedown got two. So, yeah, Shevchenko is very much nothing like her sister. Thank you for that dog money. Mike, how'd you feel about the this first female fight of the night? Oh, man. Well, I mean, I couldn't have said it any better. I mean, when I say that a Henzo Gracie fighter is going to absolutely whoop the shit out of a, a non-Henzo Gracie fighter, especially one who's ranked way below the ranking that Chukagian is in uh, jiu-jitsu, I mean, she... she more than did what I said. She not only did great on the ground, which I knew she would, she straight whooped her ass on the feet, which Antonio Shevchenko is supposedly known for that with Valentina being her sister. But like we said, Shevchenko light is not the Shevchenko that we all fell in love with. I mean, we all got duped and fooled and it was absolutely amazing to get that dog money on Chukagian. It was nice for us to be able to see the value in her and a lot of people didn't. And uh, I, it, it was such a clear win in my eyes that Chukagian did it, that it makes me uh, mad that I didn't bet uh, you know more. But we have to be... Um, you know, conservative and consistent with our bets. And you can't just be slamming a, a lady like that when they're so uh, wishy-washy these days, especially if it goes to the judges, which most likely they do. But I mean, I even told you guys that I not only do we bet money line, but I said you would most likely win by decision. So I hope when you guys uh, catch that bet, and this was the second bet of the night that we won and we just kept on rolling. And that's a very good point uh, with Mike saying about not putting quite crazy money on it because I mean, if she didn't get those get those takedowns and it was just a stand-up affair, it probably would have been a bit closer, even though Chukagian was clearly winning. Obviously, judges, you never know, but obviously she was super dominant. And yes, in hindsight, I think anyone who put money on it was wishing they had more because just how dominant it was. We, we knew the line was off, did not know it was off this much. Um, next up, the next and last female fight on the night was Hannah Cyphers, was a huge underdog versus Mackenzie Dern, and the fight went just about how everyone thought it would go. When it was on the feet, it was going to be close and possibly an edge to Cyphers. If it hit the ground at all, it was going to be all Dern with whatever way she wanted. She ended up getting a knee bar and was borderline engaged by Cyphers, who was almost going to go, was trying to go for a head and arm throw on Dern, which that's when you could tell a lot of the lower tier WMMA, their go-to move is the head and arm because you're going to start doing that against Dern to bring her to the spot where she's leagues ahead of you. Not not the smartest strategy, but yeah, Dern gets a win and more money and possibly a higher profile fight next, or they'll just keep giving her these bottom feeders and then maybe one day hope that her striking comes along, which at this point, I'm not sure it's necessarily ever going to, but Either that or she needs to figure out some wrestling because her ground game is phenomenal, but her wrestling isn't quite there yet. Mike, how'd you like the knee bar and just all around the fight in general? Oh, man, I was actually uh, pretty entertained by Hannah Cyphers and her determination and her strength. She she pieced... uh 
Dern up a, l- a little bit and put her in some danger. I mean, for a negative 335, negative 400 favorite or whatever that they money line tagged her. I mean, there was a, some people shitting bricks for a little bit. And if uh, Hannah Cyphers had a little bit more intelligence, she wouldn't have tried for a head and arm throw, which is a rookie move anyways. Nor would she have tried to get a black belt on the ground when you're so inferior. But the knee bar was cool. But uh, once again, it's, it's versus a no one. And uh, it's it's going to be exposed at some point. Uh, you know, D- Mackenzie Dern is not going to be uh, the champion. She's not going to be close. She's going to get absolutely knocked out and put down on her ass at some point. And I'm going to be hoping and I'm going to be watching tape and I'm going to tell you when to bet that. Absolutely. Her notoriety at this point blows up her odds like there's no tomorrow like this was a closer fight than the odds indicated obviously once it got to the ground she had a big advantage but and there's not a lot of them but once she starts facing the people that have a halfway decent takedown defense or know how to strike at range or something like that so like keep an eye out when she has a fight coming up we will be able to get you some a good price on one of her opponents don't mean to toot her own horn but going back i could show you a list of all of them we don't bet a lot at WMMA, but when we do, it's usually dog money, and we usually win. Evidence to just go back to Chicago on this one. I know Mike had Rebus when she fought and got was at dog money, and although I didn't end up betting it, which I still kicked myself, I had originally picked and wanted to do Roxanne over Ms. Uh, Macy Barber, and that would have won. And like we basically every underdog female fight that we pick has won. I don't think we've lost one. Oh, and uh, Caitlin Fiera, I, I I bet her all the way up from her first debut fight all the way through. I oh, bet right. Valentina all the way up from her debut fight. I I I love watching uh, the women in MMA f- to for betting because I feel like there's it's easy for me to see the skill gaps because the men are so close in gaps now that the the women are are a little bit behind in that sense and so those gaps are easy for me to see in the like oh that girl's got way better striking that girl oh my god that guy's got way better that girl's got way better jitsu than that girl and so then i just it's easy for me to break down and call a winner so if we we fire uh bob and i we mean it absolutely so keep your eyes out there for next time we get a wmma female fight dog because like i said i'm kind of wrecking my brain the last time we missed a dog i'm not saying we haven't we've mi- haven't missed a wma bet before because we have but i don't think we've ever missed a dog i'll have to go back and again i apparently have a lot of things to go back and check for you guys but i guess look forward to that stuff next week uh brock weaver uh, a lot of people's favorite prospect who won because of an illegal knee the last time around got basically utterly destroyed by uh roosevelt roberts and uh got himself choked out roosevelt roberts looked good but i don't know how much that says because i think brock weaver is kind of proven that he is not ufc caliber mike any thoughts on this one roosevelt roberts man um you know he he looked great versus brock weaver you know it's brock weaver i i I can't really take him too too seriously i know they're trying to hype him up i love native americans my mother is 33 percent native american i I, i'm part native american i always roll with them all about native american stuff but when it just comes to mma fighting i don't know what this kid is fully i don't know why he's there besides for the show i mean uh he showed up for a paycheck but Roosevelt Roberts came in there looking pretty mean and determined. 
he knew he looked like he knew that he was superior and when he got in that rear naked choke man that shit was deep and when i mean he was holding that shit deep he was holding that shit deep and if he he was waiting for the ref to pull him off there was the tap did not stop him it was the referee pulling him off which is what they should be doing um is what ended that fight so roosevelt roberts he's he's pretty impressive Uh, i just like these kids to to really take the professionalism serious like George St. Pierre did in the sense of getting a nutritionalist, getting a wrestling coach, getting these boxing coaches, getting everyone they need gathered so that they could be the greatest. But all that stuff costs money. And if they don't start getting paid the money that they deserve, even the smaller fighters will never be able to see like the greatest ninja, you know, little warriors that we're, that we all want to see. So Roosevelt Roberts, great fight, smash Brock Weaver, but I want to see him versus someone hard. Next up, we were going to have a really good fight, or at least a one-way traffic fight that I was really excited to see. Originally, we were going to have Danny Rodriguez versus Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland was going to do a quick turnaround fight and go down to his previous weight of 170, but we didn't get that. We got Daniel Rodriguez, who fought Gabe Green, a local guy that apparently they were supposed to fight way back when on the regional circuit and then ended up fighting rodriguez got the unanimous decision over him it was probably closer than he would have liked it uh given that gabe green had no ufc experience whatsoever and watching the fight i don't know i almost thought kevin holland may have been a little bit too heavy of favorited but after watching the fight i think he would have just destroyed uh daniel rodriguez and i'm just going to stick with the fact that anybody that has a fence or chain link or octagon cage type tattoo anywhere on their body, neck, torso, anything, sadly is not going to stay in the UFC. So, I mean, uh, Dan Rodriguez is probably limited on how long he's going to be, be in there given his tattoo situation. Um, Mike, do you have anything on this fight? I mean, it is fairly exciting, but, and I guess more a lot more competitive than people thought it was going to be. Yeah, it was a pretty decent performance. And, you know, I uh, knew Rodriguez is a lot tougher and uh, more skilled than most people gave him credit for. Uh, he's a southpaw and he, he throws pretty well, especially that straight left. And so I, I really wanted to see him versus Kevin Holland. And we all got robbed of a, a much closer fight. So I think that it, it just would have been really cool to watch him versus Kevin Holland. So hopefully they do a rematch in that sense. In the co-main event, we had the only heavyweight fight on this fight card. But you know what? It's another fight where we won you guys money. Uh, Augusto Sakai was a minus 115, slight favorite, but apparently at one point he was a dog. One of our buddies on Twitter let me know that because he bet him back when he was a dog. I never realized he was, but we got him at minus 115. He wins the split decision over Blagoy Ivanov. It was a close fight, but I thought it was clear two rounds to one for Sakai, obviously being biased betting on him. But this was our third bet of the night and our third win of the night, totaling a plus 407 units for you guys. So if you are a $100 better, that is $407 for absolutely free. We're not charging anything here. That's just us giving you knowledge. Is for thanks for listening to the show. Uh, Sakai looked good um, in terms of middle. In terms of this is his highest profile fight given name value. I would like to see him trim down a little bit in his gut, just because I, as much as he's throwing flying knees in the third round, I think he, even though and he did have more output than I've. Ivanov, and I thought that was what was going to carry him to the victory, including the leg kicks, everything set it up, some body shots. To keep that momentum going throughout, uh, I know it's hard for me saying that because he threw the most and landed the most strikes in the third round, but that was after Ivanov wasn't doing too well from all the leg kicks. I don't know. 
I don't, he doesn't have a super high ceiling, but I think he's gonna give fits to a lot of these fringe top 10 uh, heavyweights. Like, how'd you feel about this co-main event? And did you score it for our boy? Or do you think they got it wrong and we got lucky? Oh man, I was stoked uh, to, during this fight because we already won two fights and we were coming in hot. And, and so no matter what, win or lose, we were going to win on this night. And so uh, Sakai, he looked good to me, man, for being a big old fucking dude. I, th- I think people uh, haven't uh, misconceived that it, it's easy to fight even three minutes, let alone five, let alone fit 15. So these the, for a big old six foot three, six foot four dude who weighs 265, for him to be throwing knees into the uh, third round versus a guy who's already already been in there in the last rounds versus some high caliber opponents it, it was it was pretty impressive in, uh, to me and i i was screaming at the damn tv for more kicks because i knew that he could just break him if he just hit the body and keep attacking the body with those kicks um you know and, and so i was just absolutely livid just screaming for more kicks from him but i i definitely think he won i i think he for sure deserved the split decision he did way more damage than the other guy the other guy was in fear of him most of the time uh especially octagon control wise and uh the kicks and punches added up in volume so i, I feel like he edged it and the uh, judges had it perfectly uh scored and ended up with a three and oh night for you guys with that 4.07 units i believe it was and we it, it felt great and if we would have just parlayed every single fight we picked we would just had that lottery pick oh absolutely i know plenty of guys that do that too like all their bets just at a low low amount but because the odds are so crazy just to see how everything goes uh in the main event i vowed not to bet on this fight me and mike both vowed not to bet on this fight and we did not bet on this fight and i'm happy that we did not bet on this fight because i was leaning woodley i i had to have a tendency to lean woodley i thought this was going to be a spot where Burns was jumping up too much, but oh man, Woodley was deer in the headlights. He wasn't throwing, and from the get-go, Burns was on him. And I know Woodley isn't known from fighting back from adversity. Like he's kind of a front runner when he's doing well. He's doing great. Um, man, Burns just beat him in every aspect: striking, grappling, wrestling, just everything. It was all Burns. Like it. The, it was insane. Uh, Burns got a unanimous decision, decision victory, one fifty forty five and two fifty forty fours. So that, they likely gave that first round a ten uh, eight for him. Get rocking Woodley, having a near sub- submission and dominating him. I uh, man, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna be riding this Burns train now because th- this was that test I needed to see him prove. I understand Woodley is probably not what Woodley once was. This is Woodley's first back to back losses. Ever. And as almost every every other time that he lost, he came back with an emphatic KO victory. Well, that was not this. And he actually almost got finished himself. So I don't know. Sign me up for Burns fighting for the title. I'm totally okay with that. Or some type of money fight or something. Like he's this was amazing. Um, Mike, thoughts on this main event? And are you like me and happy we didn't bet this fight? So fucking happy that I didn't bet this fight, that we stopped betting this fight, we weren't going to bet this fight, that we promised all of you guys that we were going to use our brain and not bet this fight. And you know what, I'm, I've, I've been thinking for about uh, a few months that I'm tired of betting the main event fights. It, whether I win or lose the main event fight, it ruins my whole fucking night. I wait all the way the whole night. I could go three and zero. I could go four and zero. I could go two and one, and then I get to the main event and just get kaplunk and dunked. And I hate it. And I fucking get so mad at myself. It ruins the whole night. I don't care who won or what I did before. I could go three 
and one and the one be the end and i fucking so mad at myself for losing at the end because i could have stopped before but i got so greedy because i'm a degenerate and that's what we do and so you got to learn from your mistakes i try to learn from them bob does too we didn't bet this fight because it was fucking bait it was so bad i i love jujitsu so that's another reason why i was not gonna bet against my boys there was no way i was betting against gilbert burns i and so we're gonna talk a little bit more about i think for the first time in a long time there is two brothers that are so legit that i don't know if there's a better brother okay this isn't douglas lima and diego lima this isn't uh, Nate and Nick. This is something special, dude. The little brother is almost as big as the big brother. And and I'm telling you, dude, if I was as big as my big bro, my big bro knew he's getting his ass whooped. I really think that Gilbert and him are, are something special. The jujitsu that is there that I love of world class. And uh, the, the staring down. After the bell is the shit I, I love. I feed off that. That's that's the shit I'm talking about. When you meet two people in the street, you drop those fools in the fucking alley. Who's coming out there? Well, Burns was coming out there to eat Woodley all day. He was coming for Woodley's fried chicken. He was coming for Woodley's mama and his sister. It did not matter. He was coming for war. He came there and he pillaged. It was the best performance I've ever seen. And Mike's right, uh, Mike's right up there with, her with a great transition, too. I don't know if the UFC planned it this way or not. In terms of the bout order I have, you have the last event ending with Burns. And you have this pay-per-view starting with Burns. The ver- We're just going to go right into it. The very first fight of UFC 250. This part not live on pay-per-view, but you know what I mean. Is Evan Dunham is back after a long, long layoff. This fight's actually at 150. Um, he gets, he's making a transition to go to a lower weight class. This is the lowest he has ever fought at. He's 38 and he is a big underdog versus Gilbert Burns, brother Herbert Burns, who is a massive favorite, rightfully so, because all Dunham has is length, okay wrestling, and jujitsu. Well, he's about to fight someone who has better jujitsu, is stronger, and is training with possibly one of, if not the best welterweight on the planet. We're going to do a quick pick for this one just because I don't see any other way around it. We are going to hit some high points on this fight card and go more in-depth on some. But others are going to be quick picks, so I'm just, I'm not even going to think about it. Quick pick on this one is Herbert Burns. Mike, what's your pick for this first fight of UFC 250? Oh man, Herbert Burns is going to do anything and everything he wants to do to Evan Dunham. Evan Dunham is not ever going to be able to handle the the, the strength or the hands of Herbert Burns. Uh, and then the jiu-jitsu is is going to be I it, I that's where it's going to be a little bit closer because uh, uh, what's his name? Evan Dunham is a uh, Ron a Drysdale black belt, a first degree black belt, and and that's pretty respected. So I think. I really just believe that Herbert Burns is going to TKO, KO Evan Dunham and just pound him onto the floor because I, I think that the jiu-jitsu of Evan Dunham is, is at least respectable. But I I still think Herbert Burns is superior on the ground and standing. It's either TKO, KO or sub, but either way, it comes easy. Quick pick on this next fight. Alonzo Menafield is a minus 220 favorite over Devin Clark, plus 180. I have never been high on Devin Clark. Actually look forward to seeing him lose. I think Menafield has a little something there and has a higher ceiling. So I'm just going to pick Menafield. Obviously, he's a big favorite. No bet whatsoever. Mike, thoughts on Menafield versus Clark? Alonzo Menafield's a specimen, man. I mean, the, the guy, I mean, no homo. 
the guy's body is ridiculous, dude. He is, he is amazing. It's unreal. It's not even fair to most people. Uh, he's going to smash the shit out of Devin Clark. Devin Clark's sitting there thinking about that same thing I just said. Holy shit. That guy's body is way better than mine. He's way better looking. He's stronger. He's faster. He's everything that he ever dreamed that he wanted to be. But it's not Devin Clark. It's the other guy. So a Menafield by devastation. Next is our first bet on the fight card. Yes, we are doing another three bets for this fight card like we did the last one. Let's get another 3-0 night. Juicier Formiga is plus 115 underdog versus Alex Perez who's minus 135. Formiga burnt us a little bit last time. He was one of our bets, again, at Dog Money. I thought he clearly won two of the three rounds. Judges disagreed. Um, I think in this fight, he won't need that. I do think he will get a finish in this fight. If it goes long, obviously there's always a chance, but he's just got so much early and he has a clear ground game advantage and Prez himself has been subbed in the past a couple times and as much as that's a good portion of his game where he has a good offensive jiu-jitsu game formiga is going to flip that on his head and we have a one unit bet on formiga but mike you were the one that brought this bet up initially so by all means go as in-depth as you would like to on the juicy one yeah man i think people just sleep on juicy formiga i mean he's a world-class uh, black belt in jiu-jitsu in judo I mean, he's been here for how long fighting the best in the world? He fought Brandon Moreno, the, you know, the assassin baby, like a savage last time. Whether who you said who won or lost that fight, both those fight guys won that fight to me. I mean, I, I don't see Perez being as crafty or tricky as Moreno is. And, um, and Perez has been here a long time. So I, re- I really believe that Josia Formega, he could sub Alex Perez easily. Uh, Perez has tapped uh, three or four times before in his career. So I, once you're a tapper, you're always a tapper, and there's just different levels to this game. And when you get on the ground with these world class black belts, you're gonna see you're gonna see it. And so I just really see uh, Formica getting uh, Alex Perez's back, get him in a rear naked choke, and putting him out. The next fight, like I have always said, I will be as brutally honest as I can about fighters I know and fighters I don't know. I know a little bit about Charles Bird. I've seen him fight. I do not remember Maki Patolo at all and I did not feel like uh, doing too much research on him because you know what I knew it wasn't going to be a bet so I'll pick Charles Bird he is the favorite at minus 170 uh, Mackie Patolo at the plus 150 Uh, no further breakdown from me Mike do you have anything on either of these guys to help educate the listeners Nah, dude, to be honest, I don't know either of them. Didn't care to even study neither of them because I had no bet material. So uh, if I'd have to, I'd probably pick the dog. By all means, if anyone has, knows Mike Patolo and you, you've seen him fight and you think he's awesome, by all means bet him. I'm not, but don't know him at all. Could like could not even picture. I couldn't even tell you what color his hair is right now. So I'm just going to pass it because at some point. <laughs> I just imagine like some, some Samoan dude. So I'm hoping he's hard. See, now you can't say so of that, because if you say he's Samoan, I'm going to pick him. That's oh, that's just what I imagine. Mackie just... Patolo, like, holy shit, he sounds like he, I belongs in Samoa, and he's going to make me some Polynesian pick. So you know what? Um, we're going to look up his name, and he's going to be like a blonde Polish dude, just out of spite. But okay, whatever. If, he, if we find out he's a big Samoan dude, I'm all for that. Um, next up is two fighters I do know. Hey, awesome. Cody Stamen is a huge favorite, minus 265 for Brian Kelleher, plus 225, who's making a fast turnaround after fighting uh, 
when UFC did the three Florida uh, fight cards in a row. He fought there, got a quick win, and you know what? He wants another fight, but Cody Stamen is a powerhouse wrestler who really has only looked bad against Aljamain Sterling, who we'll talk about later, who is one of the premier bantamweights in the division. Uh, I think Stamen is just going to be able to outmuscle Kelleher and control him and hit him with some power and likely win a decision. So I'm going to pick Stamen, no bet. Mike, how do you feel about Stamen versus Boom? Or Boom Boom? Boom? Brian Boom Boom? Is it Boom Boom or Boom? Do you remember? I think it's Boom Boom. Yeah, um, so back a quick thing on Patolo. He is uh, Polynesian. He is from Hawaii. And so I definitely am going with my boys from the 808 over there. So Hawaii uh, going with Mackie Patolo versus Charles Bird back there. But Stamen and versus Kelleher. Stamen's wrestling is world class. Uh, he has everything I love about a world class wrestler. He's got a mean ass double leg. Uh, he t- has a mean ass single leg. He takes a single leg and turns and dumps. He takes a double leg and turns and dumps. He, he's He's really good in that sense his striking is garbage I, I hope he's improved over this covid situation but I, I that's his biggest flaw man if he gets hit on his chin at any time standing and and wobbled it's it's over it's in big trouble i know it's first brian kelleheller it, sh- it shouldn't really happen if he's smart he takes him down and he ground and pounds and smashes him but I, I don't know what he's showing up to do. Cody Stamen is not someone that I could really trust. And uh, I think I've bet on him before uh, for his world-class wrestling. And he ended up not taking the guy down one time. So I really dislike anybody um, that does not use their wrestling and their assets. So I, I, I would not pick Stamen for a bet. And I would go with Kelher because Kelher's striking is better. So I, I, I trust Kelher's striking over Stamen's I don't even know what Stamen's going to do, but it's a weird one. I wouldn't bet it. Yeah, it seems a very trappy fight to me, just in general. Um, I think I heard an interview. Cody Stamen has basically been training for a fight for about five months. And if you see a trend in a lot of the main event favorites losing are guys that have had to extend their training camps because of coronavirus and ended up fighting about a month or more later than they had originally planned. So they have these extended training camps and you can't stay peaked for that long it's just it's just impossible uh next up ian ian heinish is a minus 130 favorite over gerald gerald Merchart. sorry about that he's plus 110 gerald Merchart is someone who has made us money in the past actually even the last time he fought um i'm gonna pick Merchart. uh he's always a good dog play if you're into that sort of thing i'm not betting on this fight currently if he was bigger dog i might um I like Hina and Heinish's game. Uh, he's got a good story, all that. I just, Gerald Merchard is such an opportunistic uh, submission threat that I think he has a solid chance of being able to find something at some point, especially later on in the fight, uh, the sloppier the other fighter gets. So my pick is Merchard. Mike, where are you for this middleweight fight? Uh, man, I don't know why, but I, I just love Ian Heinich. I, I don't know why I love him so much, but I I just like his grit and I like his determination and he, he's just not soft. So uh, GM3 is, he's suspect, man. He's one of those guys. And uh, if I saw two guys in an alley and I had to pick one to have my back to the end, I, I would, Ian Heinich, I'm taking every single time. I, 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 don't, I see GM3 running or putting his hands up and asking for forgiveness for whatever we've done. And uh, I, I don't see Ian Heinich even thinking about that when, and when we're going straight to war. So I, I would pick Ian Heinich. Um, I, I think it might go three rounds and it'll be an Ian Heinich decision win. I just, I just don't see GM3 being tougher than Ian. 
but I do see him having a better submission game like you did say. It could be possible, but uh, Ian's a tough son of a bitch, so I, I just don't see it. I, I see a decision win from Ian Heinich, and I just think he's tougher. See, for all the people that say me and Mike always agree, we don't, so suck it. <laughs> Sorry, I, I had to say it because I've heard people say it before. I'm like, well, then you don't listen to all the shows. Uh, we do agree on, on the vast majority of fights, but it's, it's because uh, we break down fights very similarly. We like fighters in certain things, and it's part of the reason that we are good at picking fights because we see similar. If there's a fight that me and Mike not just agree on, but feel very strongly one way about, those are the fights that become bets. And those are the ones that we usually are do the best on in terms of bets, not just ones that I pick or Mike picks. The best ones are the ones that both of us are like, oh yeah, totally, that's exactly the one I was thinking of. So if you want to go with Mike, or you want to go with me on this one, that is up to you, but there's no bet from either one of us. And I, I do think this is going to be a very entertaining fight, probably one of the best ones on the early prelims. Uh, next up, Chase Hooper, who is... I don't want to call it a rising star, but he's a, he definitely has a, little, has a little bit of an it factor. He's a minus 165 favorite over Alex Caceres, who's plus 145. Chase Hooper, the youngest man on the roster, is fighting Caceres, who has, I think the term I heard is he has more UFC or as many UFC fights as years Chase Hooper is old, um, given that Chase Hooper is 20 years old. Caceres is crafty. Um, he has tendency to give away fights. He really does. I really like Chase Hooper, but this is like a, this is a fairly significant step up in my opinion. So I'll, I guess I'll pick Hooper um, more because I can see the fighter that he could be. I'm not sure this is the fighter he is yet. Um, and Alex Caceres, the wheels are going to break off, are going to fall off at some point with how early he started. Because obviously, the earlier you start in MMA, the the earlier you break out. Um, yeah, I guess not. The, the biggest super, the tentative pick. Uh, don't bet this is another trappy fight. Unless you have a really big feeling for Caceres, then then go for it. But I think this one's a little a little bit trappy. So, Mike, how do you feel about the young Chase Hooper versus Bruce Leroy? Oh, man. If, if Bruce Leroy didn't have so many submission losses, I, I would be probably all over him. But that's that's Chase Hooper's biggest strength. Chase Hooper's going to be longer. He's going to have a better submission game. If he gets the back of Caceres, it's it's most likely going to be a wrap. I mean, it, I can't tell you enough that when guys have the longer frame, like Bob does versus I, uh, it, it's a lot different uh, when you start rolling with those guys and they start locking you up in uh, different positions and contorting your body. It's just it's just so weird to be with a guy longer than you that knows uh, the same game as you. So I um. I can't trust Alex Caceres' uh, jiu-jitsu. I want to bet Alex Caceres like, or, and say Alex Caceres will beat the kid because I know Alex Caceres' striking is way better. Way, way, way better. But is Alex Caceres' jiu-jitsu game good enough to not get subbed by this bigger, longer, stronger young kid? I, I have no way I could ever say that because he subs him. He's tapped too many times, and I don't bet tappers. So um, it's it's Chase uh, Hooper by submission, or it's uh, Alex Caceres uh, TKO KO. That's just it's weird. No, I completely agree. And this is it's so early in Chase Hooper's UFC run. Uh, like I said, I do think he's going to be good. He has all the makings of that, but it's I mean it's so early to tell. So either way, moving on. Dude, the kid's like nineteen, dude. My my kid's hey, he got, just my, turned twenty. Yeah, my kid's thirteen. It feels like my watching my little curly haired kid go in the ring already. It's crazy. I mean, he's lucky that these fights are at the apex and they're not at the casinos because they wouldn't let him in because he's not twenty one yet. Seriously, <laughs> seriously, no after party for you, bro. Go to the reservation. 
So, uh, that's why he's got his whole spiel of being an Eminem sport, whatever. I'm not going to go over Chase Hooper too much, but I I like his style and go team. Um, uh, I've seen a lot of funny memes about the comparison of Chase Hooper and Sean O'Malley on like, this is me before COVID. This is me after COVID. This is, this is you not on drugs. This is your mind on drugs. Cause they both are tall, skinny, curly haired 35ers. But, uh, speaking of which Sean O'Malley is fighting. He is a minus 475 favorite over the original WEC bantamweight champion, Eddie Wineland, who is plus three eighty. man. That's a big dog play. Um, <laughs> I say that cause even it's though, crazy. Even, it's crazy. I know. Even though Eddie Wineland is at the tail end of his career, we could agree this is the tail end of his career. He has got less fights ahead of him than than behind him. This is still a step up for Sean O'Malley. I mean, I would bet Eddie Wineland over Jose Quinones too, even though uh, O'Malley beat him in short order. Um, I don't know. I I would not bet Sugar Sean O'Malley at minus four seventy five. That is ridiculous. Um, if the number keeps climbing, I might take a dart on uh, Eddie Wineland because I'm dude plus three eighty. If that breaks four hundred, I might put like half a unit on it. Just the last fight <laughs> after after seeing uh, O'Malley get injured from uh, with those leg kicks or what he injured his own leg kicking. I, and he, his legs are so skinny, man, and so weak. I I. I have no clue how you could put that price tag on him with so many unquestionables. His jujitsu is for, is legit. His striking is good, but he's so skinny that even his kicks damage his own self. If he gets injured from someone else's kicks or his own kick and drops to the floor again, like he has, he almost lost the fight that he, if the other guy was smart enough to make him stand, the other guy would have uh, won the fight. And I can't say, think of, I think who Sukatoth maybe, yeah. um, had the opportunity to make him stand and he could have won the fight if he was smart, but he wasn't. So force negative 400 is crazy, crazy versus a veteran like Eddie Wineland. Eddie Wineland's super, super tough. He, he's he's pretty durable and I, it's crazy to me, bro. I, I would never touch that in my life. It seems like one of those parlay buster trip trick traps. No, completely agree. And I would say that... O'Malley has not fought someone with the power that Wineland has and the finishing ability Wineland has. And I'm not making a case for uh, Wineland here to an extreme degree. I'm just saying that this is a ridiculous price on O'Malley. And if I'm looking for a dog or just for like, this is obviously not a pick for the show, but if you just want like a little sprinkling on something, to entertain yourself while this fight's going on. I mean, if he breaks 400, you throw a quarter of a unit on there, so just like chump change, and you could still win a unit, and it's just for fun. Um, you can do that in a fight card, as long as you're smart with your money in other places. Uh, next up, though, we are going to talk about an actual another bet that we have on this fight card. Neil Magny, the gazelle, the, the winning 170-pounder, is a minus-140 favorite over Anthony Rocco Martin, who is plus 120. And yes, go back. I have talked a lot of smack about Anthony Rocco Martin. I absolutely have talked a lot of smack about Anthony Rocco Martin, especially when he went from Tony Martin to Anthony we, Rocco Martin. All we care about is making money, folks. Exactly. So you take that of all the smack talk I've said about him in the past, because there's been a lot. He has impressed me. His boxing has come along a lot. I love the fact that he's training with the Lima brothers, even though one of them isn't 
the good Lima. Either way, he has some good welterweight bodies that he's fighting. And if you would tell me that him training against Lima, who, I'm sorry, Lima would light up Magni like there is no tomorrow, that he is not going to be better for it. Not to mention, he still has ties with all of his past trainers in the different places he's been at. His jujitsu is on point. I would say that's better than Magni's. And I love the kicking game he's developing. And Magni is not good at checking kicks. And it will limit his movement going forward. But before I fawn over it too much, I'm going to give it to Mike so he can tell you our bet for this fight and then his full breakdown on this Neil Magni versus Anthony Rocco Martin fight. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, man. I mean, Tony Martin has has been so impressive since he's gone to a sports psychologist, since he met um, his, his, I think his girlfriend or his ex-girlfriend, Kayla Harrison, the judo champion. I mean, it's ex-girlfriend, uh, Kayla uh, Harrison. Either way, she helped him tremendously. She probably gave him contacts that he might have never met. It seems like since that day or that time in his life, he's just improved everything. His boxing, his mental game, um, his jiu-jitsu was always there. And so it seems to all be coming to fruition, and he's just just very well-rounded now. Uh, Bob and I, this is the, with personal feelings, personal feelings, I don't give a damn, right? I don't like Rocco Martin. I don't want to tell him Rocco Martin. I'm not going to call him Rocco martin right i don't care i just want to win fights he's gonna win this fight he's he's got better jujitsu than neil magny he's stronger than neil magny he throws leg kicks better than neil magny and neil magny's got a flaw and that's taking kicks on his lower calves so i i expect uh, tony martin to be attacking those lower legs he's gonna be just gritty and more vicious when it comes with his boxing i i just don't see uh neil magny being able to escape um the, the lion tony martin in this case the gazelle is going to be neil magny getting eaten by tony and tony's going to have his meal so we're we're going to be putting down the bet on tony martin what's the odds right now bob currently plus 120 so at plus 120 we're going to be putting down two units for you guys to win plus 240 2.4 units so uh we're going to roll on this and roll with us now going on to another bantamweight fight yes this is a card of bantamweight fights but you know what they can get away with it because there are some fantastic bantamweights that the UFC has, and they got to find some way to fill up the top contenders since Cejudo's no longer the champion. Um, Aljamain Sterling is fighting Corey Sanhagen. Now, I'm just going to pause that for a second because this is a fantastic fight. This is an utterly fantastic fight. I may have got the order wrong, but I keep they keep switching on what they have for the co-main event. But I'm pretty sure they have the Garbrandt fight for the main event. But either way, there's so many bantamweights on this fight. It's fine if they go out of order. They're all fantastic fights. This is our main event. This is our main event. So, I would, yeah, I would save this for uh, last. But, I mean, people will get all kinds of angry if I did that, given... Things I don't need to get into. Either way, uh, Aljamain Sterling is a current favorite. He's minus 120. Again, Sanhagen, the Sandman, plus 100. I was a slow adopter to Sanhagen. I will fully admit it. Not super late, but just in his first like one to two UFC fights, I wasn't 100% sold on him. But man, he sold me huge over his past couple. He's come along. He's This is going to be one of the few times that Aljamain Sterling will fight someone about just as long as him taller than him, and actually fights long. Aljamain Sterling has done so well at starting to develop a boxing game, but he kicks people at distance, keeps people at distance with kicks, and has plenty of room to work. And great on the ground, unique on the ground with his uh, wrestling background, and just how he does transitions and his scrambles, and just, he's great with the chokes with his long arms. 
Sanhagen, he's a he's a different beast, man. Uh, he's in the surging elevation fight team that we both love, and they're just doing fantastic. I think Justin Gagey just did what he did, and they've been training together. And Sanhagen's striking has come together. So I'm like I'm starting to fawn over him a little bit, but I think he's going to be able to do some stuff to uh, Sh- Sterling that he's not used to dealing with. This will be the first UFC fight. I believe. I don't think there's ever been one before. He will not have Rilongo in his corner, uh, given they don't want to risk health and everything like that with uh, Rilongo, given his age and a number of other things. But either way, he's not going to be in his corner the first time that's ever happened. Sanhagen's team is surging. They have all the kind of confidence booming after that. And I just think every interview I've heard with Sterling over the last probably a year, he just keeps saying over and over again how he's not long for the fight world, how he's just trying to get some more paychecks. He wants to get the title, but this is not what he's going to do. He's, he's not going to fight for much longer. It's all like, it's, it's that back-in-your-head retirement talk that I don't like hearing from a fighter. And Sanhagen just wants a fight so bad. But the Frankie Edgar fight falling through and him actually not fighting, he has a fire in him, and man, he's going to go for it. So me and Mike are betting on Sanhagen here at plus 100. We have another two units at the plus 100. This is our third bet of the night. Mike, how do you think the Sandman's going to do it for Salishman Sterling? Oh, man, I mean, I, I really have a feeling that this is going to be a lot like uh, watching when we watch Tony Ferguson get beat by Justin Gaethje and, and a little bit different in the sense, but it's going to be watching that older lion that we just love and has that has some great MMA skills, but they're just this is the new wave. Corey Sandhagen is the new wave, the real deal. He's long, he's strong, he's he's skilled. He's been fighting and training since he was a young young man doing mixed martial arts specifically. Um, he comes from a great team, like you said, with great cardio. And he, you know, Aljamain Sterling, yeah, he's awesome, man. He's got great jujitsu. Comes from a great camp, but he's just he's only gotten here because he's awkward. You know, it's no, he's got weird reach. It, he's a athletic well all those things Sandhagen is and and more so I really believe that Corey Sandhagen has everything here to roll on Aljamain Sterling and to show you and showcase what the UFC sees in him and it's just he's championship material me and Bob have been telling you for a long time that we love this kid and he, he has it and uh if he had five rounds versus oh no no that was Calvin Cater if if uh you know, that that Corey Sandhagen is in the future going to be a possible champion. And so I really believe that he's going to roll here. And so that's why we're going to be, uh, what's the odds out right now, Bob? Plus 100. So at, at even money right now, we're putting down two units at even money for Corey Sandhagen to show you uh, all the skills in the world that he needs. And it's going to be amazing. In the co-main event, another bantamweight fight. <laughs> all right. Rafael Sunsa was a plus 125 underdog. First, former champion Cody Garbrandt, minus 145. Cody Garbrandt coming off of three TKO losses uh, since winning the title. And I know I'm saying it like that. And I love Rafael Sunsao. And I would love this to be a pick. I would love this to be a bet. But what beats Cody Garbrandt is landing on him solid on the chin, having him see red, and just throwing with reckless abandon. And I don't think Asensio has that kind of power. I do think all around he is a really, really good fighter. And I think timing and fights he was given have kept him from getting a championship. And I, I think it's too late now. He's still a solid, solid fighter. And he might get this win. He absolutely might get this win. But since he doesn't have that type of power to make 
Cody Garbrandt go full bull mode and just like go forward and throw his chin in the air. Uh, I'm more hesitant to bet it. Uh, I would like a sense out a win. And honestly, I would like to see the Cody Garbrandt that beat Dominic Cruz and see if that wasn't a fluke or Cruz starting to falter. If that's really how Garbrandt is, he had such a high ceiling and then three finishes later, that seems quite a bit diminished. So I'm, I'm staying away from betting this fight. I guess I'll pick a Sun Sao more just a like for the fighter than uh, skills <laughs> at this point. Mike, how do you feel about the co-main event here for UFC 250? Oh man, it's going to be a great fight. I, I've been a, I love Cody Garbrandt for a long time, but you know I had to jump off that train when uh, need be. So I, I really I really feel that Rafael Sunciao is is the superior fighter here. Uh, he's shown me more. He's fought in guys like Corey Sandhagen to a unanimous decision and gone all the way versus a guy who's a complete savage now. And uh, I just I, if you told me that Corey Sandhagen was fighting Cody Garbrandt today, I would uh, Cody Garbrandt. Cody Garbrandt's not living. So, uh, you know, that gives me a lot of respect for Rafael Sunciao to be able to fight uh, Corey Sanhagen and and be able to last all three. So I I think that the upside, uh, Sunciao has the higher ceiling. He's got more skills. He's shown me more chin-wise. Cody Garbrandt only lacks the chin. And if he can somehow miraculously improve that, I'd bet on him. I, but on this one, I'm betting on the dog, uh, Sunciao, all day. I I believe it's most likely going to happen. In the main event, we have the WMMA, female MMA, just all-around goat, Amanda Nunes, Nunez. Sorry if I don't sound too overly excited, but it's more the matchup than anything. Um, and also, in the back of my head, still thinking that Shevchenko beat her in the second fight. But either way, she's demolished Cyborg, and this will be she'll only be the third fighter to defend both belts when she beats Felicia Spencer. Yes, anything can happen. There might be a surprise. Blah 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 blah. All the they're talking about Felicia Spencer is talking about how tough she is, how great she is. Like, well, they're saying that because of that was the narrative of when she fought Cyborg and the fact that she lasted longer her only hope is jiu-jitsu and in all seriousness her jiu-jitsu might not even be as good as amanda nunez jiu-jitsu and amanda nunez is way better on the feet i don't see this being close um i do think it's gonna go longer than some it's not gonna be like a first round finish i do think i'm not not might not go to decision but it's for sure going probably in the latter rounds i'll say third or beyond uh unless there's that that huge spark in the first so I don't got too much to say about this fight just because there's that big of a skill gap. But uh, Mike, do you have anything specific for this main event? Uh, it's a pathetic main event. That's all I have to say, man. It's I'm sorry. I don't know why this is our main event. But um, Nunez, I mean, should win here. I mean, it's all set up for her to win. Uh, Jiu-Jitsu is basically the same, if not superior. Hair by uh, Nunez. Nunez has more power, been with there with more experience. Uh, Nunez has everything to lose, uh, but I just think that you know Nunez is going to win easily here. Should be able to thump uh, Felisa Spencer about six times in her face, back her up against a cage, drop her to the floor, and then it'd be all she wrote. Sorry for a lack of breakdowns in the main event, but when they're this different in uh, skill level and all that, we're not going to talk about much. Yes, we will come back and we will eat crow if Felicia Spencer pulls it off, but. I just don't, don't think it's happening. Uh, for a review for everyone, our bets on this fight card is one unit 
on Formiga at plus 115, two units on Anthony Rocco Martin at plus 120, and two units on Sanhagen at the plus 100. Now, we will be back next week. Yes, there are more fights on the horizon. UFC on ESPN plus 30. Ivers Calvillo, yes, that is a main event, and that's on June 13th. We are all shaking our heads at that. <laughs> oh my God, bless yeah. the Lord. Yeah, this on this is one of the times I think that um, it would been great if Sanhagen versus Sterling was the main event over here. But either way, <laughs> uh, don't forget to subscribe to us on your platform of choice: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts, your RSS feed. All those links will be in the the tweets we post. Remember to subscribe to us on YouTube for for both full length shows as well as the smaller breakdowns the smaller tidbits like comment and share and with that let's let's roll. roll